The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. You know how Finn never gets to tell Ray that one thing he wants to tell her? Or how Han Solo can give Leia a sarcastic quip but never really open up to her? Well, you don't have to be rebel scum or the captain of the Millennium Falcon to experience the kind of rich relationships and life that we all long for. I'm Mark Went, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com, M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T, coaching.com. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is a streaming freedom audio bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And uh, this week, we're being joined by a writer, and he also works at Amblin, uh, which is Steven Spielberg's parent company that he founded and created, um, sort of like Lucas and Lucasfilm. Well, okay, exactly like Lucas and Lucasfilm. Um, <laughs> and that person is Steven Awalt. How's everyone doing? Hey there. Good to, good to talk All with right. you guys. So um, I know we were going to chat uh, some current properties that are coming, that's been announced and released by Amblins. Uh, we're also going to talk um, just our love for Spielberg in general and, and the different projects from the past. But what are you? What are you currently working on? Because I know you're doing a few freelance things outside of Amblin. Anything yeah, you could talk um, about? Uh, <laughs> not in detail, unfortunately, because we haven't announced any single one of them yet. But I'm I'm contracted, and, and it's all all projects that are connected to Amblin. So okay. I'm I'm on the inside, but then I'm also writing them on my own uh, time. So um, I'm writing two books um, from vintage Amblin Entertainment properties that I'm really excited about. We've been putting uh, one of them. I've already I'm a year deep into research, and both of them I've talked with um cast and crew extensively um but that's all i can say on that and then i'm also editing a couple um <laughs> books from um classic again classic amblin and, and spielberg um 
films. And um, that's all I can say, at least until I think the first book of, of this group, one, one that I'm editing is coming out um, fourth quarter of this year, 2021. Okay. So, so, that, that so towards the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely have to bring you back on and maybe some of the cast and crew from that project on to do a little book tour. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, so we definitely have a lot coming. Um, I will say one, one of the first Amblin-related books I ever picked up, uh, and it was actually a bir- – it was given to me as a birthday gift, was about Jurassic Park. The, the first one is it the making of Jurassic Park? I think so, and it yeah, talks and, and it shows the pic the uh, the airbrush crew pic, uh, cast and crew picture of the uh, T Rex holding on to a palm tree because of the hurricane oh, yeah. that went through. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I want that shirt. <laughs> I gotta find that shirt. Um, but no, I've always been fascinated with Jurassic Park, and it's one of my favorite things over at uh, Universal Islands of Adventure here in Orlando. And, I can't and you've got the uh, I can't Velosa, Velosa coaster coming right. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah. And it's cool seeing <laughs> seeing these pillars with velociraptors at the top. I'm like, I hope they're animated enough where they're swiping at you as you go by. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be, yeah. That would be awesome. I'd have to take like a fistful of uh, Dramamine before I would ride that. Um, hopefully, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we have plans. Or Universal has plans to open one in uh, in our Hollywood Park. It's much more limited for space, but I'd love even to get down to Orlando just to get on the ET ride because they closed that here as well. And it's like, oh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, a funny story. I went uh, many years ago. I went. My dad took us to to uh, Florida for vacation we went to universal we went to the et ride and it was closed down so we couldn't get on it last time then uh years later i went with with my wife and we went again and the et ride was closed again so i've never been on the et ride i've been on it twice uh, we were just at Universal in January, kind of kind of limited because uh, it was a friend of ours had uh, works for a division of Universal, so she had comp tickets and um, <clears throat> mainly did Harry Potter for the girls, uh, for her daughter and my daughter, because they're big Harry Potter fans as well. And that was the big thing was do Harry Potter. Plus, too, I was in an electric cart because I had just had I was just a month removed from having surgery on my knee. Oh. Uh, so we never made it over to Jurassic Park or yeah Jurassic Park because I wanted to go ride Kong the Kong ride mm. that they oh, have man. over there and uh, yeah but I just first time going when it first opened I'm like ooh Jurassic Park and and when we on the on the one side you actually walk through the gates you come through oh, wow. the gates <laughs> they had the gates on the one side the other side because it's almost like, um, imagine Epcot. It's almost at the American Adventure section of Epcot. So it's almost like the, the back end, top peak. And um, so you, I think you get there now through, it's, it's the next section over from Harry Potter. But that side doesn't have the gates. It's the side from Toon Island, from the cartoon section that has the gates. Mm. And, and as we're walking through the had come through that way and we're walking through the gates. I'm like, da na 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 na. I'm like, can't help it. I'm singing the song. 
<laughs> oh, they should they should put the score up uh, for when people pass through. That would be. It, it is playing at the gates that's as you're coming that's through. Good. So that's, I mean, they good. did an amazing job with it. Um, and but I haven't been there. I haven't been in that section since Jurassic World opened. 2015. Oh, that's been a while. Yeah. So, so I haven't seen the Jurassic World embellishments added to it. Yeah. But I, I'm one of those. If Lego came out with the Jurassic Park Jeep, well, I think they did. I gotta find it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the I want to get the Jurassic World Jeep as well, so I can have the two Jeeps side by side. They're their favorite one. One set of my favorite movie vehicles. Yeah, I've got this beautiful diorama um, with the uh, the T Rex uh, road sequence. You know, the attack yeah. uh, famous sequence, and it's got two of the jeeps: the one with um, Ian and um, uh, I was going to say Sam <laughs> Grant Allen um, in the jeep. Although their their figures are outside of the jeep with the uh, the flares and everything, and then it's got the um, overturned jeep with the kids. Uh, oh, under, you know, very crushed cool. underneath it, and it's and then of course the t-rex looming over him and yeah. every time i walk by that it just gives me a huge smile that's it's really fun yeah that's awesome yeah see I, i'm thinking more the the uh the the cj jeeps um oh like like um that like, they, uh, the Muldoon has like a, a yeah not not the tour jeeps but yeah yeah yeah, I yeah. Guess those, technically the tour cars aren't jeeps really are they it's the the um maintenance have the jeeps um i don't know if the cars <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I don't remember. I I thought they were Jeep. I thought that was oh, like a big advertising they're like, for they're Jeep. Like, maybe they're supposed to be Jeep brand, but they look like SUVs compared to yeah, the, yeah. It, they're, like, they're, like the uh, maintenance right, ones, yeah. look like classic Jeeps. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say the ones for the tour were like uh, the, the Cherokees or the or the Wranglers uh, with the modified roof, uh, so you could see out. But yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I'm I'm thinking like the 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 maintenance or staff jeeps that, that go yeah. out into the, just have two of those, you know, in the two different color schemes would be cool. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. I'd love to have a figure, uh, a Muldoon figure, uh, in a, in one of those types of jeeps. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm a sucker for collecting uh, Jurassic Park uh, dioramas and, and figures. Um, a couple companies put out some beautiful, like just absolutely authentic looking, beautiful. Um, I, I guess sculptures is the right word for it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but on the Lego side, the tour it, cars awesome. were the tour cars were apparently for Ford Explorers. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I just looked up. The the maintenance vehicles were Jeeps, yes. Jeep Wranglers. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, we talked just briefly about um, the books that you're working on that haven't been announced. Yeah, sorry. That, sorry. Yeah, sorry. But no. I, and that's, um, but but I can tell you, <laughs> as, as someone who has been um, researching um, Mr. Spielberg and, and um, all of our company's films from then now, you know, covering them now for our website, but also back to the very beginning since I was a kid um, all of the titles that I'm, I'm working on right now I'm, I'm excited as, as a big admirer and, and um and fan of the films, so I think it's we've got a lot of things coming out that, that fans are going to be really excited for, including um, two of them. The, the two I'm writing, actually, there have never been books on either property to date, which is crazy. Oh, so, 
Wow. Yeah, cool. But then again, he has done a lot, so I, I can only imagine what hasn't been done that you would have thought has been done. Well, there's a lot of them that have yet to be covered. Um, like my first book, which it, you might have just been about to segue into, um, that was on uh, his 1971 film, Duel, and no one, uh, I think that came out in 2014, no one had bothered to write a book on Duel before, and I know it's not like massive like Jaws Raiders, Jurassic Park, but it's still, I think it's, it's an amazing film. And it's a key film early in his career. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of titles that just for some reason um, never really got covered um, during the original productions with official making of books or with uh, retrospective um, making of. See, I would I would put on there one that I would love to know about, know more about, because it's actually a one of those hidden treasures that I actually enjoyed that a lot of people don't remember he he was involved with. And that's uh, was actually Christian Bell's one of Christian Bell's first movies, Empire oh, yeah. of the Sun. That's a great film. I, you know, I've seen Empire's um, reputation has definitely been um, it's been growing over the decades, and it's it's you know it's a hell of a film. I put that up the other day for some reason. Oh, I was I was fact checking something for work, and um, it just made me want to stop working. <laughs> just you know the imagery, uh, got how it opens, you know, with the um, the caskets floating down down the river and everything. It's just amazing film visually. Um, the writing obviously with the writer it's incredible and um performances and just uh, i don't know it's such a moving film and it, it really synthesizes at that point well first off i think people sorry to go off on a tangent here no but people, hey, that, that's <laughs> the nature of the show okay i think people misunderstand yeah. a lot of spielberg's early work because um especially critics from the time and into this day they always think of him as um surely a, a director who was interested in um childhood and and um stories for children and that's obviously not remotely true if you look at his work from from duel or even back earlier in television but from duel onward and yet it's a key theme in his work so as far as synthesizing his entire career to that point i don't think that's true but as far as the, the theme of childhood and, and loss of innocence um empire of the sun really <clears throat> i i think it was a, a big turning point yeah more more in in some ways than color purple you know which because that was his first film for adults as people say which i think is somewhat kind of disingenuous to, to call it that too. It was, it, it was a film that wasn't for all audiences necessarily, but it's right. not like he was making kids films all along either. But um, Empire though, I think it, it just, um, I don't know. It, it, it took one of, one of his major themes, but again, not his only theme. And, and it really um, kind of led us into the second half of his career so far. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what I actually wanted to get to next was what exactly do you do at Amblin? Because um, it almost sounds like I almost want to say you're almost like an archivist a little bit. Uh, no, we we have a great team of archivists, so I wouldn't I wouldn't claim to get into their territory. But um, mm -hmm. I I don't have an official title, but I've been called um, our uh, I'm the editor of Amblin.com, which is um, it's a website that I, I built from scratch with a great um, looking website. Uh, some developers. Oh, thank you, thank you. We're we're really proud of it. And um, so I've written everything that's on the site. I've written, and um, uh, we're we're shy 
I think I have 16 or so titles to, to finish putting up on the website, but over two plus years, um, I put 200 or almost 250 projects from wow. Stephen's earliest works up until um, some upcoming titles that we have. So that was a lot of work, but it was an absolute labor of love. And the reason they hired me for that was because back in 2000 and 2001, I launched the website. So it's been 10, 20 years since I launched it, but I ran a website called Spielberg wow. Films um, for almost a decade. And <clears throat> excuse me, it was just an independent site I wrote about the history of Stephen's work and, and upcoming projects, that kind of thing. And um, during the course of running that, I got to know some of his people in um, marketing and publicity, and they would help me with um, information I needed when I was doing reports or interviews with people, that sort of thing. And then I would also send them information on things that I saw were going around out, you know, on the Internet. And then in 2006, um, I got a I got a letter FedEx to me, and it was, it was from DreamWorks, which that was the major company at the time. Yeah. And um, it was from Steven mm -hmm. Spielberg himself, and uh, I'd been a fan of his since 1977 or 78, technically, um, with Close Encounters of the Third Kind when I was a very small boy. And um, I, I, he's been a major component of my life as uh, he, he helped establish my love of films from an early age. I mean, I think we're probably of the same generation, the three of yep. us. Yep. Um, so, you know, yep. Stephen and, sure. and George Lucas and, and we grew up in an amazing time for for the movies. And um, oh, yeah. yeah, so I I just became fascinated with his films and then with his um, his work as a, a filmmaker and a, a creative person as I got older and older. As a boy still, I, I just tried to get my hands on every magazine, book, anything I could about his work as a filmmaker. And so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, despite that, I, I never wanted to write him because, you know, eh, well, you're going to bother somebody with a letter to say, I like your movies. <laughs> but, um, but he wrote me in 2006 out of the blue and told me oh, he'd wow. been reading my website for years and was a big fan of my writing and um and it it literally put me to my knees because this is somebody i've looked up to all my life like i was uh. saying there um not just creatively but just as a as a person i grew up largely without a dad um my dad died when i was 15 and before that we we had a lot of problems and not to get overly emotional or too personal but i i eventually you know studying Stephen and his work i i came to see him almost as as a father figure from afar because he, he was to a young boy he was creative he seemed so kind and thoughtful intelligent um just always always presented himself well he was a boy scout and i was a boy scout so it's like wow same here <laughs> yeah yeah so um i was gonna say he, he's meant a lot to me and so getting that letter just it, it it is one of the most um it was a really beautiful moment in my life it was very thoughtful of him to send it i know i know you and i have talked about this um on facebook on Messenger, uh, but I actually had a chance to meet Stephen. Um, well, I can't, I don't think I can officially call him Stephen. Mr. Spielberg, back in 1989 at the National Scout Jamboree. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I'm jealous of you. That's right. We did talk about that. And uh, <laughs> that, that was a cool moment because um, we, I was working the train post warehouse and we had to do a, uh, get him fitted for in a Boy Scout uniform. And we had uniforms there and you know, he was able to come, get get checked out, get you know, get everything. And then uh you know, afterwards, you know, he took us out for lunch. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. Oh. So it, it was it was a blast. 
have can, a lot can of fun I ask, with it. Um, what, what did he talk to you about at lunch? Talk about movies and filmmaking? Or? Um, actually, he asked how things were going at the Jamboree. Uh, and we were talking about uh, what he was doing there because I, I believe he was helping introduce the, the film merit badge. Yeah, that's correct. And um, and we were talking a little bit, getting a little sneak peek at, at the opening ceremonies. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I wish I could have attended that. That would have been uh, pretty monumental for a so, kid. So that, that, was, that was pretty awesome. That was, that was pretty awesome. I envy you. <laughs> so it's like we we got back and I'm like um we're gonna meet back at, to continue work in what thirty minutes everyone yeah so I immediately called called my dad I'm like dad I just met Spielberg <laughs> oh <laughs> and that so, was the summer um Last Crusade had just come out too so yeah 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 so yeah it, it was um yeah. It was that summer, wasn't it? Yeah, that came out May of that year. Yeah, Jamboree it was the next month, maybe or um, no, it was uh, July or August. Oh, because it was right. Then. It was right before. Um, I want to say it was maybe end of July because I know it was because I had just graduated high school and I was I was still. I was living in New York and we didn't get out of school. You know, we don't get out of school there until end of June. Mm. So may I don't remember if it was beginning of July and we, we spent 4th of July there. Or it was right around though. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a blast. Absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. So, so, um, to pick up the thread we were talking about when, so I got the letter from Stephen and, um, <laughs> it, you know, it was really great to receive. And, and I, I did feel a little bit nervous afterwards knowing that he read the website. And I was like, I mean, you know, you always want to do a good job no matter who's reading. But then, you know, I, I was like, oh my God, if, oh, I, if I mess yeah. up at all, <laughs> but I'm, I'm fine. I'm confident in, in my work. Um, but then um, <laughs> that later that year, I think it, I got the letter in february and then i think um that may was the first time i ever met him at all uh, and it was in person um the chicago film festival i was i grew up in a chicago suburb and i was um most of my life has been spent in the suburbs or in the city of chicago until a few years ago when i moved out to los angeles to work for amblin but um the chicago film festival was putting a um uh, well their annual fest and um they were uh Stephen was the guest of honor and they gave him an award that he came out to the city for. And I got to meet him there and interview him for the first time. And, um, he introduced me to Roy Scheider as well. And, oh. and um, <laughs> so that, that was a really nice, uh, a nice thing. And then after that, um, I stopped, I stopped publishing Spielberg films. I think it was in 2009. So I could go back for my master's degree in, in cinema. And at the end of my master's degree, I was working on, um, I knew I wanted to write a book after having published online for a decade. I wanted something tangible, you know. And um, so I pitched a book on Stephen's 1971 thriller um, TV feature, uh, Duel. And um, he said yes right away and um, invited me out here to Los Angeles for the first time. And I went to uh, Amblin on the Universal lot for the first time. And I, we did a one-to-one interview for the book. And um, he and his staff were wonderful and wonderfully helpful. Um, with my research for that, they opened up the archives and um, it was a good, good experience. 
And then, um, I guess to, to give you the whole timeline of to where I'm at now, um, I've been working on a number of books. Uh, one of them I did a lot of work on. I don't know that it'll ever wind up a book because publishers haven't been um, tripping over themselves for it. But I, I did a lot of research and interviews on the Sugarland Express, Stephen Silmer, right before uh, Jaws. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I talked to um, pretty much every major cast and crew member that's still with us, um, including Goldie Hawn and um, uh, William Atherton and Michael Sachs, I was able to find. He hasn't been acting in, in a long time. He played Slide in the film, The, the Officer That They Kidnapped. And um, it, I, I just... I, back when I wrote the dual book, I, I thought, you know, Steven Spielberg, it's his first film. People are going to be dying to publish that. And that was actually a hard sell. I wrote I wrote it before I had a publisher. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then I was doing the same with Sugarland. And yeah, it's, it's not... Publishers haven't been biting at it. So either I'll use that content for a big feature on the Sugarland Express on, on Amblin.com or maybe a chapter, a large chapter in a book um, on numerous films someday. It's, it's not like it's ever going to go to waste, but I don't know if a book is going to come out of that. But anyhow, in the meantime, mm. um, after the dual book was published, I went back for a third degree in film and in film directing an MFA. And just before I went into my thesis stage, um, Amblin asked if I would come work for him to build um, a website for the company and run their social media and just write for him in general on things that they need me on, that sort of thing. Oh, very cool. Very cool. See, I would, even if Sugar Land Express didn't get picked up, I would love to see a book that is, um, like maybe a, and it can almost be done in volumes. That's a, a history of, of Spielberg films. Oh yeah. And you could definitely put seventies and eighties together as a, as a first volume and cover everything there. Um, cause I, I would think you would, you know, even though they were Lucas film Spielberg directed, definitely you throw in the, all the Indiana Jones stuff. Oh, I think any, any career, um, uh, look back on his career. I, you can't, you can't exclude the Indiana Jones films. I think they're too significant. And, and as far as rights and everything, um, that that kind of thing you work out with the, the various rights holders. So right. that, that type of a book would definitely be um, feasible. And, and I think I would be very welcome. I, I would love to read one myself if, if I weren't the person to write it. Um, and the, the other one, going back to um, Jamboree, what I have found odd was at four to help introduce Steven and, and different projects he worked on, they brought out C3PO and R2D2. I'm like, what does Steven have to do with? And they were alluding to that, I guess, Steven helped create the droids or those uh, two characters. No. So, yeah, there's, there's no truth I, in, in that. I mean, beyond, uh, I don't even know. This is, this is totally, um, conjecture you know george lucas is steven's best friend so invariably i'm sure they talk about everything you know creative that they're working on but no those star wars is george lucas's creation um that was probably just either somebody who didn't know what <laughs> you know what they were doing or um just hey we got droids right. and the boys love droids it's you know star wars so um he's he's been a 
associated with Star Wars as, uh, well, you know, the one story that um, when they screened the film, when, when George Lucas screened the film for his close friends, like Stephen, um, Marty Scorsese, um, Brian De Palma, and a number of other guys were there. De Palma really just laid into Lucas, even though he's his, his friend, he just, you know, he said it's got a lot of problems. And Stephen was famously the one person there that said, you know, I, you've got a hit here. And, and, um, right. and then he and George exchanged um, participation points between Star Wars and Close Encounters. So I know Stephen's benefited from Star Wars greatly because of that, right. um, having participation points in that little film. Um, and then uh, in the prequel trilogy, he helped um, design uh, some of the some of the elements like the uh, General Grievous chase sequence with Obi-Wan on yeah. Utapau. Um, yeah. he, he helped design that. And um, so at most he's he's as a friend, he's he's consulted or talked ideas. But, yeah, definitely did not help create the droids. Then, then maybe it's because of the fact that he got participation points that he was allowed to use uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 to help promote the uh, the film Merit Badge. And that or even even um, yeah, you know, just being maybe. friends with, with George, um, you know, maybe he said, yeah, we can send those guys out. And pretty cool, though. I'm sure seeing yeah. them in a forest setting, too. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we be geeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's... I know this is going to be a difficult question for all of us because um, I'm going to put this out there for all of us. Um, oh boy! Because now we're now we're going to get into one of the big reasons why um, I had Stephen on or have Stephen on is he's a film buff just like we are, and working with Amblin, we could pick his brain on a lot of Amblin projects and pictures. Let's start off. Favorite Steven Spielberg film. Oh boy! See, I guess I guess I'll start us off. Let's, Stephen, you want you want to go? Oh yeah, I was I was just wait. I I have a um, you know, it's it's like anything. Um, I get with with movies, it depends on. I, I'm sure I, I at this point in my life, there are thousands of movies that are important to me in different ways. Maybe hundreds. I don't know. I just I I watch all kinds of films. Have since as a kid, good ones, bad ones, intentionally. Um, I'm a huge horror movie fanatic. I love animation, comedy, sci-fi, of course. Um, but so so I guess the point is, it, you know, some days I'll feel like I, I want to watch Raiders. Some days I'll, I'll yeah. want to watch. Um, but personally, um, ET means the world to me for a number of very ET personal reasons. Yeah, it's um, I was really lonely as a kid, even though I grew up in a big family. I, I'm um, one of one in a series of six and I was a middle child. and I was quiet relatively. The only time I really spoke up was when I had a joke. <laughs> but um, I uh, I I can be very talkative, obviously, um, when it's a, about movies, especially. But um, I'm also a writer, so I like to keep, you know, I like to listen and observe and, and I get shy sometimes. So. I was uh, I was surrounded by people, but I was really lonely. And uh, ET, you know that that it just meant a lot to me because I I really knew how Elliot felt. And then um, 
as I got older, you know, I talked about my dad. Um, I, I, I feel that still every day, um, you know, the young boy not having a father. So, um, and that's, and none of that's really to do with this wonderful, um, alien at the center of it all. That's, that's all the human element of it. And I think obviously that, that says a lot about Spielberg's work and, and just great storytelling in general, genre storytelling. Um, it all begins with, um, with the human element. That's, that's what's really important. And I think that's why E.T. was so relatable to people all around the world. I mean, you guys remember 1982. It was, uh, yep. I, you know, we have, again, I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent, but we have movie culture now where, <clears throat> excuse me, every week in the summertime, there's some massive film, uh, big entertainment, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in expense to make it and, and even more than that to market it. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of great fun genre entertainment that comes out now, but um, it's so different from what it was like in the summer of 1982, where that was an amazing summer for genre films. We had E.T., Poltergeist, Star Trek II, Wrath of mm. Khan, um, uh, Jim Henson's um, uh, Dark Crystal, yeah. uh, The Thing, Blade Runner. Um, it just goes on and on. Cat People. And um, yet there was something different about the times back then, even with, with that and then there were more genre films to choose from there. But even with the amount of films that were coming out in the 80s, certain films did kind of become cultural institutions in ways that I don't know that they do now singularly. I mean, you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all the films have done either amazing or relatively amazing. I don't know any of them have bombed. And yet that's kind of like a big a right. thing unto itself the 20 plus movies yep. now it, it just things feel different to me i don't i don't know if i'm expressing this well but it didn't you know to think of the release of et and what that did with the culture compared to any movie now it, does it feel different somehow to you guys I, yeah yeah a no, little definitely. bit now i i guess one of my questions since you you've brought up et how did you feel about the changes <laughs> um well i can tell you this so i i you know i don't want to be insulting to um, the boss at all but um i was thrilled to see that film again on the big screen um one of the cool things about et <clears throat> i always felt like it was almost like a like something you dreamed and this is from 1982 until late in the 80s um it almost felt like a movie i dreamed because you couldn't see it again <laughs> until 19 well it came out briefly in 85 they did a re-release and then it didn't come out on video cassette until 1988 because Stephen intentionally withheld it to make it special and that alone was kind of cool too because the film in my heart had um had so much meaning and then to re-experience it and and this is something i don't think kids from generations younger than ours really understand um we had the the soundtrack album and then um novelization and then the trading cards were really big for me so you could see the images from the film and that's how um (laughs) outside of things coming out on vhs and then eventually vhs having sell-through prices that weren't like 120 bucks a tape um things Mm. things were different back then as a fan and uh, i kind of miss that in a way i i love i mean the access we have to movies from all over the world now um first on dvd and then blu-ray and then now streaming it's like it's i'm in hog heaven as a movie fan overall um but i do kind of miss i miss 
it takes away things being like kind of magical, the movies, when we have yeah. such simple access to it. Even like um, in the 80s and early 90s, I'm, I'm a big fan of Italian horror films, and they weren't easy to get in the VHS era, a lot of them. So, you know, as a fan who wanted to see these pictures you'd read about in Fangoria and stuff, you'd go to the gray, they, what they'd call the gray market of videotapes trading and everything. And I miss the hunt for certain films like that, too. Um, we have it so good right now. And then when I see people online say, Netflix doesn't have any movies, it's like, <laughs> we are drowning know, in films. Right? I wish I had the time to watch all the films yeah. I want to see from I know. back, I'm like, back to the silence. Me? Come yeah, on. yeah. It's, we live in a great time. And I guess I only bring that up to contrast. It was it was different and it was so special in 1982. So E.T. means the world to me. Now, we, now, uh, <laughs> we have the uh, DVD of the anniversary, uh, the one anniversary that had both versions, the yeah, uh, the unaltered like it was and then the yeah. altered. And I didn't finish answering your question uh, on that, what I thought of it, too. <laughs> um, I apologize. Well, no, no, I, I apologize because I cut in here, but I, I realized I never finished answering your question. Um, that DVD, hold on to it <laughs> if, if you care for the 2002 edit, because um, it's no longer available. Um, Stephen doesn't want it out there on the market because he, he regrets it. He regrets the changes that he made. Although I would say oh, okay. there I to get back to when I started to answer the question, I was thrilled to see it on the big screen again. And I went and saw it a handful of times projected. And um, there are certain things that I didn't like about it. You know, the, the, the thing that became the joke, the walkie talkie is that it took away from the drama, but I'm not, I never lost sleep over that. It's like, you know, okay, big deal. As long as the original film is out there still, which it, it definitely is and was, then right. I'm fine. I, I, sometimes I like to see directors do variants on, on the work as long as they don't suppress the original film, like the certain someone that we all respect deeply and re- resent <laughs> highly. I'm sure that that's when it bothers mm. me. Uh, special editions. Other than that, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's like doing different I, drafts. It's cool. Cool to see an artist do that i mean the, the changes made with the original trilogy by lucas yeah um to me i don't remember seeing a lot that bothered me with empire strikes back empire was one of the ones that i mean besides i know people yeah got bent out of shape over luke his scream when when he's falling yeah and of course that yeah. that all has been fixed since as yeah, well yeah. Uh, because both Hamill and Kirshner went back to him and said you gotta take that out because that's that's not the character yeah, <laughs> that, that's yeah. not the well, moment uh, there's a lot about the character that we thought uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk some smack here but that character has not been treated <laughs> well over the years <laughs> true true and, and that that's he's a key character in my life you know him uh, Han Solo Indiana Jones Chris Reeve oh, Superman man. it's like ah oh, uh, yeah two of two of them have been abused beyond I, measure in it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, since you brought up Han Solo, and I'm going off on a, tan- on a side tangent, um, see if you can find on eBay, it would have been one of Dark Horse Comics free comic book day books hmm. and it's indiana jones coming oh apart. yeah you know the story i'm talking about yeah yeah i'm i'm not a big fan of mashups <laughs> I, I liked that mashup though oh i'm sorry <laughs> i i thought it was i for, never read that one basically what it is indiana jones shows up and he finds this remains in, in the cliff 
comes to find out, or you you come to find out through recognizable art mm-hmm. that it's the Falcon. And here's Han Solo skeleton with his clothes still on the skeleton. And there's a, a reference of, uh, he must've been a good looking chap. And you look <laughs> out and here's what looks like Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And it's Chewie in the background, still watching over the, the crash site. Oh, uh, now hearing it again, I like it better than Han getting uh, shivved in the side by a son that we just found out about. And this is the first scene yeah. they have together. I think, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go. I could go off on Star Wars a lot. <laughs> um, it, it, next to Spielberg, it's like the key. Um, I, I have been crazy for it. Oh, um, yeah. Well, since I, the era we, we grew we, up in. We do a Star Wars podcast. So. Oh, I, I, if yeah. you ever want me to babble on that, I uh, yeah, uh, Lucas Star Wars, I'm, I'm a massive fan of, and uh, yeah, I think Looks the like whole we got a future guest, Mike. <laughs> future roundtable, yeah, yeah. Killing Han could have had incredible emotional weight if they maybe waited until the second film, and we saw yeah. you know a couple a couple quick almost meets with him and Ben, and him trying to bring Ben back, and then Ben turns on him. Yeah, Here, it was he, like he has a I think I think as what er, most fans have said, and I'm not talking the vocal minority, um, there was never the moment. And I think Hamill even mentioned this as well. There was never yeah. a moment yeah, there was- in the sequel trilogy that all three were together. Right. Yeah, yeah, that should yeah. that should have happened, and that should have happened. All four, if you count Chewie. Yeah, this is true, and that should and have. R two and C three PO. Sorry, five. Uh, <laughs> um, but that that should have happened either at the end of Force Awakens or at the beginning of um, Last Jedi, or somewhere in Last Jedi, and we never got it. It should have happened before Han died. Period. I mean, yes, yeah. that's that's the one upsetting, most upsetting thing to me. Yeah, yeah. The that they never wanted that. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's the you know that's one of the main things you want. Oh, we're getting new Star Wars movies. We get to see them all together again. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, not quite. Yeah. <laughs> instead, yeah, they they all became cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah. And, and instead, it was oh, we're going to treat it as Force Awakens is Han's Han's going away. Last Jedi is Luke's going away, and then Rise of Skywalker is Leia's going away. Like, uh, okay. I don't know if each one needed their own send-off film. You could have sent them all off in the same film. Or just kept them well, alive it, for imaginations to come. Yeah. <laughs> right. But well, it, you, 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 you write them out. for Leia. But, yeah, yeah. But, but even still, you, you, you still could have kept her character alive, but just write the three of them off into the sunset. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I so, have their send-off in the films be together, yeah. not not separate yeah so um back to your question about favorite spielbergs i'm curious about both of you Oh, isn't that like twenty minutes? To get- <laughs> yeah, I, I took us off. On- <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, oh. I was going to say with ET, all, um, all about tangents. I I didn't. I understood why at the time he did the the change was like the talkies to the uh, machine guns, the talkies uh, to the radios. Um, I don't remember the other changes in it. That Mostly. was the one. That was the one that was the most impactful. 
Yeah, mostly it was um, just uh, changing certain effect shots to make the puppet uh, where where they felt uh, he in particular felt the puppet didn't quite perform as you would have hoped. And I got to say, just like the Star Wars um, special editions, there are certain times where um, the digital effects actually took away. I don't know if they. Oh, no, I was going to say add. Oh, yeah. There were were plenty of times where they take away. And even some of the animation on E.T. um, when they're changing performance it just does not it's not good work um for whatever reason the character looks off model so to speak but there are at least two things i i would say if if he ever did release the 2002 cut officially again i would get rid of the majority of the changes except for um the shot where et when the spaceship's taking off and he runs through the forest uh, in the original film it was uh, the puppet was on a track and it has no up and down you know motion like you would on a bipedal creature and the the walk cycle and everything is amazing. Uh, it's, it's just beautiful work. And I think that shot really sells. And then mm. the shot where um, Elliot walks into his closet and uh, Gertie's dressed E.T. up in drag, the animation on his face is adorable and perfect. And it's one <laughs> of the best shots I've ever seen of him in the special edition. In, in the original film, he looks, the puppet looks a little bit ugly there. And it's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, the puppet they had three three major styles of puppets um mechanical uh and um uh, i guess you'd call it uh electronic and then um people in suits and right. so sometimes there's variance in in the puppet's face in the film and then in stills especially too and sometimes some shots it's like wow that doesn't quite look like et and then others it's like just perfect amazing living beautiful creature um did i i'm sure this is a dumb question considering all of our ages you guys weren't scared by et as a an entity in the film at all were you no i i was 11 no. going on 12 when it came out yeah. Um, I was, uh, six, oh, I think. Did he scare you at all then? Because I, I, I don't understand uh, that because I was nine when it came out. And I think he's a beautiful, it's amazing. I, I love that character more than anything in life. <laughs> I, I was honestly, I was into, he su- didn't scare me. He didn't scare me. But the, the, uh, the, the scene where all of the agents come to their house and everything that, that scared me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it teaches that taught you at a young age to fear the government (laughs) (laughs) right yeah well plus you know when they all came in there in there into the house in their suits and everything that was that was a little scary for me but et never scared me no see i i think i had seen enough films where the uh clean suits didn't bother me as much because i i was big on sci-fi anyway so I, you know, even at 11, you know, because year, well, year or two it, it before, I mean, a year or two the, before that was Black Hole and I loved Black Hole. Oh, yeah. 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 It wasn't the suits themselves. It was knowing that they were coming to get E.T. Yeah. That yeah. scared me. Yeah. You know, what causes, caused me a bit of cognitive cognitive dissonance back then was you, one of the suits is presented in a very threatening way. Um, the uh, the people in the, the NASA suits, they had three um, NASA suits they rented for the production to um, 
to, to have, you know, they, they had the people in the clean suits, but they also had astronauts in NASA suits in, you know, oh, that, yes. yeah, 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 and, yeah. And back then you guys remember the NASA, God, we, again, we grew up in an amazing time for sci-fi fans and for young kids. Um, the NASA program was incredible and it was strong then yeah. until of course what happened in 86 with the challenger. Well, I, right. well 82, um, 82 was the whole start of the relaunch of, of us going back in space. Cause yeah, uh, yeah. cause we, we had, so, we had just wrapped up um, enterprise test launching you know, all the test test flights with enterprise and we're just going into Columbia. Yeah. And, and so to have, that image of, you know, the astronauts then and even now as I'm pushing 50, anybody who goes into space, those people are heroes, actual yeah. heroes in my mind. Yep. And so oh, yeah. It, yeah. it's it's a disjunctive image to have um, the family under threat. You know, uh, Mary opens the door, Gertie in her hands, and all of a sudden there's this um, – this man right. in, a, in a NASA spacesuit, and it's like the um, the helmet on it. It's almost like it. Uh, what's what's the phrase in insects with the eyes, like the nictating movement. The the helmet has this movement inside it where things are shifting around, oh, like a nictating yes. insect eye. Yeah, and it, right. so I I'm fascinated with that because Stephen was, and I'm I'm assuming still is a huge supporter of the space program, and um, yeah, so he takes an image that to a generation meant hero, and he makes it scary, but then. And, you know, that that turns eventually to and we see these people are um, either out to help or out to, to help gain knowledge for the species, even if it means killing E.T. <laughs> so they do right, try to yeah, save yeah. him. Though. They try to save him. <laughs> now, you, you may be able to correct me, but didn't Stephen work with Tom Hanks for From the Earth to the Moon? No, I know he didn't. OK, but, but I, he, OK, but he inspired Hanks with Apollo 11 to come out with that series? Um, I don't know that either. Um, you know, Hanks had already been in Apollo 13 for Ron Howard. So, and, and I'm assuming uh, Tom Hanks is a big, a big old uh, geek to use the parlor yes. show's title. I, I, when I grew up, we were called nerds and um, that was generally a pejorative that you were about to get a beating from a bully before they, you know, right, right. after they yep. said the word nerd. And now everybody's like, I'm a nerd. And it's like, oh, right. <laughs> you don't know what that word did to my generation or our generation. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. But, um, geek, well, geeks is, had to pay a, the price. A, yeah, yeah. Geeks is a nice word though. I never got called that, that I know. Of. And so um, Tom Hanks, to me, seems like a really wonderful geek. He, uh, yeah. He's a Star Trek fan, I think, and um, I, I think he's always had an interest in the space program. But he's another of Stephen's best friends, I'm sure. You know, we bond with our friends over the cool things in this world, yep. which are yep. amazing oh, yeah. and plentiful. <laughs> so uh, not to act like a host here, but again, because I keep interrupting. No, no, that's you're, a, you're, this you're, is great. You're, uh, to take this back to your – I'm, I'm, I've been curious to hear you guys' Spielberg picks. Hey, we'll get to our picks right after this brief message. Have you ever wanted to deeply connect with someone the way Vision does with Scarlet Witch? Or be the stand-up guy like Cyclops is for Jean Grey? Well, you don't have to be fused to an Infinity Stone or be the leader of a superhero team to have the kind of relationships in life we all long for. Mark Went is a men's wisdom coach. And after people work with him, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. That's M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com. All I want is a pet. 
And we're back. Um, so, yeah, our picks. Go ahead, Derek, unless you're still thinking. No, I've been thinking about it this whole time. And uh, I have to be honest, I, I've been trying to narrow it down and I can't get it down to one favorite. Uh, the best I can do is four favorites. Um, and that oh. would be uh, in no particular order. Uh, Close Encounters, Jaws, uh, the indie films. Oh, actually, it would be five. E.T. and Jurassic Park. That's a smorgasbord there and all wonderful picks. Yes. Uh, Again, I can't I can't narrow it down more than that. <laughs> I tried. I, I really did. I, I could do top five and it's a combination of franchises and film. Um, no particular order, but I will say my favorite is going to be the number one spot. Uh, I love the indie franchise. Um, mm-hmm. Watching it with my dad as well, uh, and, and delving into that with him outside of Star Wars, and, and just being able to take my dad to go see uh, the stunt show here at Studios. Yeah. Uh, after I started working for the company, was mind blowing to see him kind of get excited about it as, as I do when I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, Close Encounters, just a phenomenal film. Um, yes. that, yeah. that really yeah. took me into a whole different direction of sci-fi that I'd never thought about. Uh, Empire of the Sun is one that I just brilliant. It was one of those that I never thought it would be one I would get into. Uh, it's kind of a war film, but it's not, if that makes yeah. sense. And, and it, sense. and it, it was just one of those absolutely love the Jurassic franchise, uh, be it Jurassic Park or Jurassic well, World. I could I could do without the second one. I could do I, without the second and the third. I really oh from from Jurassic Park or Jurassic World trilogies. Jurassic uh, Park. Okay, and then Mike, did you mean Jurassic Park like Lost I, World? You could do without or I could uh, do Lost I could Kingdom? I could do without. Um, Lost World. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, that that was one of the only times, and I hate to confess this, but that was one of the only times I really left the theater from one of Steven's movies, and I was I was upset, I was let down because um, there's some amazing sequences in the movie, but it just didn't feel like him, and it didn't feel like his, yeah. his heart and his mind were in it. And um, um, yeah, that's that's one I've I, always struggled think, with, despite some great great stuff. I think in it. for me, the other thing from the other thing for me is I had read the I had read the original Jurassic Park book and I read that in like two days so I loved it so I was all excited and they they kind of there was stuff that was in the book that wasn't in the first movie that they put in the second yeah yeah, movie yeah. and it just like that's that's what bothered me is yeah. a lot of key things that I was hoping we would see in Jurassic Park which I think Jurassic Park as is was was great covering yeah. a good two thirds of the book I'm like okay yeah. I want to see the book pick up from here or the next film pick up from here and continue on. And they threw it at the end of the film instead of at the beginning. And I'm like, Oh, miss moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But the third one, uh, where they bring back Sam, uh, Sam O'Neill and Laura Dern. I, I loved, I, I, I love William H. Macy, 
uh, I loved how that one played out. I have to be honest. I don't remember it too much. I should watch it again. Um, Jurassic World, I loved. Fallen Kingdom, I enjoy it. I mean, it, the Jurassic mm-hmm. series is almost like Star Wars and Indiana Jones. I enjoy them, um, but I think Fallen Kingdom... No, Lost World, I, I'm more critical of Lost World than I am Fallen Kingdom. But I haven't seen Fallen Kingdom enough to really be saying I really hate it or I really I don't like it. I didn't, I'm glad. I, didn't, I didn't hate it, but it's not the best one. Well, it's good to hear. I, I guess I haven't talked to a lot of people about it because, um, yeah, it's not like the past. Like in my old Spielberg Films website, we had forums on it, and there's a lot of engagement with fellow fans right. from around the world. And I guess I haven't had a, a lot of opportunity to talk to anyone about Fallen Kingdom, and I see so much... Um, it feels like hatred, which is a silly thing to have toward any film. You know, it's a movie. (laughs) Hatred's a bad feeling. You can dislike something. Yeah. 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 But, um, I gotta say, I I, just reading people, the anger on social media about it. It's always bewildered me because I dig that film. I actually think that's my second favorite Jurassic Park film or Jurassic film. I should say right Uh. after the original. Um, and I don't know what it It is. I don't know. It wasn't horrible. It just to, to see the reputation online though i I'm, yeah. I'm, like i said i'm really glad to hear you guys aren't um you, you you either enjoyed it or it just was okay that's okay is even better than you know it's like i don't understand why right. people really, how how they get so emotionally against it because i don't know it makes me think something well, wrong with my taste now as i'm getting older because I, I know I thought well, it, was it, a fun it, movie. It, <laughs> it makes it makes me wonder though will the third one in the jurassic world era Ever follow <laughs> well <laughs> yes it will it will come out they've been working it, really hard on that <laughs> if it, if it, if it so. will if it will follow suit of the original trilogy and it it brings that redemption back that the second one you know being known as the letdown that the third one brings redemption back to the franchise I I am so enthusiastic and, and I know nothing. Um, it's not like it's not like just because I work for the company that, uh, you know, I'm in on every single secret of anything. And, and I'm happy that I know I, nothing about it. Jan, I know how you, you feel because I'm the same yeah. way with Disney. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I probably know more than the public on, on very few things, but I am so excited for that film. Um, Colin Trevorrow's mm-hmm. got a, um, a huge opportunity before him, and I hope he just nails that thing yeah. way out of the, the, the park and the world because um, the setup at the end of Fallen Kingdom, it's for dinosaur fans and for fans of all the characters from both um, eras, as you said, or, or both trilogies, it is going to be nuts. I, I yeah. just hope it is just like, yeah. I hope it's the kind of movie that brings us to our feet with excitement um, in the theater because there's uh, going to be dinosaurs I, everywhere. And, and, they have, and, know, they right? ha- and they have done what we were hoping would have been done with the, the sequel trilogy in Star Wars. Colin wasn't on that for a while. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it, didn't, yeah. It, it didn't work out. And I, I like all the, I like JJ Abrams and I, I like um, Ryan Johnson. Um, even though that's a film, the second star Wars, I would say <clears throat> the thing I admonish people about, I hate this. I probably came close to hating that because um, I, oh God, I left the theater <laughs> so angry after that film because uh, you know, it, it murdered I, a boyhood. Hero. <laughs> I, I'm the most, oh, I'm, I'm the most, I'm pathetic. No, 
Oh, I, I, Derek will tell you, I'm the most critical of The Last Jedi, which still baffles. I actually oh, enjoy oh, it. That's great. I love, I love the disagreement over it. Um, because someday I am going to learn to see what other people are seeing, the people who love it. Cause I hate that I can't see it right now. It makes me crazy that <laughs> I, I have these emotional blinders on and I want to understand. I feel that about any film. Like there's a couple David Cronenberg films that I've watched religiously. He's one of my favorite directors too. I've watched religiously over the decades because I struggle with them. And I like that struggle, especially when it's a film that's a popular film and like the masses love it. It's like, why can't I see through their eyes? Well, like I said, I I love Star Wars and I love, I love the film, but I'm the most, it's, it's near the bottom in the, in the rankings for me. Actually, I think that one is the bottom of my rankings. Yeah, same same with me. I would not, for me, but it's the most, I'm the one, I'm the most critical of that one. I, for me, like Rise of Skywalker was so much more disappointing to me. Um, That one just, I left the theater with that one with just this, you know, feeling like, ah, what it was, what did I just watch? It was just not. To me, I did I, not like it. I, I saw it. The Rise of Skywalker to me felt like it was J.J. Abrams trying to redeem elements of The Last Jedi with this film or with that particular film and trying yeah, to make Last Jedi make sense. He made it worse. He made it worse. Now, I don't love everything about Last Jedi, but as a whole, I liked it. As a whole, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot more than I liked Rise of Skywalker. Do you think if um, if Abrams had followed the directions that Johnson took it in, um, which obviously, from what we hear, Abrams wasn't happy with those directions at all, um, which is, you know, it's the damnable thing. Um, I hate to say that because everybody works so hard on any film, but the fact that there were so many um, setups that Johnson just like deliberately said, you know, like a, like a cat knocking stuff off the counter. He's like, hell with that. <laughs> and, and, and that of course vexed some audience members. And then for Abrams to come back, I don't know, maybe it would have been better if they had a, a new uh, filmmaker, like, well, they had Trevorrow for a while, um, oh, but even, even not him, like somebody else to come in and try to synthesize both films, despite their um, contradictions. I, I think it would have been better if they had had like it, an actual through line through all three movies. Yeah, that's a good start. <laughs> I, I think yeah. I think if if Abrams was more hands on with the second film, sort of like Lucas with Kirshner. Oh God! Yeah. If there was that type of relationship with the second film, with, with Last Jedi, with Abrams being there to make sure this is, to, you know, as Derek said, to kind of keep the the plot or the th- the story thread going yeah. the right direction, but let Ryan do his own thing with it. I think I, that would have been better instead of just JJ going, yeah, I'm just going to do the first film and walk away. Yeah. And then have each yeah. one be, okay, um, someone else is going to do the second and someone else is going to do the third. And there's absolutely no thread to this at all. And those films need a unifying vision. I, I really hate to say it, but after. 
after watching Rise of Skywalker, I felt like I lost a little bit of excitement for J.J. Abrams as a whole. Oh, as a filmmaker in general. Yeah. Yeah. I can I see I that. I look back at some of his – I look back at his other stuff that I thought was – you know, that I uh, that I, I made – that I accepted more. Like the uh, second Star Wars uh, – Star Trek film he did. Into the Dark. Just, into Darkness. Yeah. Where yeah. he just like redid Wrath of Khan but not – like it wasn't Wrath of Khan. It was not – it was not the, the – quality of Wrath of Khan. Of Khan. No, no. It, it was a, instead of retelling Wrath of Khan, it was a modern ver, it was a modern adaptation of right. Wrath of Khan. But it lost with a twist. With, yeah, with that one it twist. Lost, it lost what made Wrath of Khan such a great movie in, oh, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Khan's, well, Khan's a hard film to top. That's, that's a, that's a oh, great yeah, film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and I, and I that think, will always be the best Star Trek film. And, and, I, and, and I think with him doing into darkness and putting it in the the modern time period of the TV show right. instead of in their later years where they've already dealt with Khan and now they're right. it's like oh, we're, we're dealing with a wrath of Khan that that's not revenge yeah it's mm. no it's his wrath because he's got that Alexander the Great mentality of I need to take over the universe right. and my people do it um, now to get back on track my my number the number one film <laughs> 1941. Yes, yes, <laughs> brother. I love 1941. I'm, I'm. Um, I honestly don't think I've ever seen it. I'm gonna have to watch it. You're gonna have definitely. to watch it. Definitely. It's, it's. Um, Ackroyd, I used to say, kind of as a sop. I used to say, well, it's a mess. It's not a mess. No, it's not a mess. It is. It is. It no. is. It's just not for all taste. It is a funny incredible just jaw-dropping film the, the humor doesn't always land for people i think it makes me laugh my ass off and it it is it is meticulous in its creation it's just some people don't understand 1941 and we have to understand and live with those people for some reason i'm very intrigued by it well, i'm overselling it probably unless you oh no 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 <laughs> One of us. Not just right now, but from hearing Mike talk about it and, and, and other people mention it, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to see it. It's one I've never seen. I mean, before. when it start when when it starts off with Stephen himself spoofing, <laughs> spoofing Jaws <laughs> with the with the same actress. <laughs> And he some hits for that in the press too. People saying, you know, what a cocky little uh, because um, you know, oh, it was made, brilliant. Um, this uh, 1941 was his. Um, let's see, one, two, a fourth, fourth feature film if you don't count Duel. Um, and uh, you know, after this double back-to-back -back massive, uh, unbelievable success of Jaws and Close Encounters, you know, you know, critics were ready to take him down. They, people get that way, yeah. and they they felt you know what what Hutzpah to to, to um, uh, reference your own work like that, such a young filmmaker. <laughs> but it's funny. It's a funny. And then you know, but, well, let's, uh, not ruin, let's not ruin what happens. But once she gets into the water, it's hilarious. <laughs> it, it leads to one of the best bits ever. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and all I'm going to say afterwards is Hollywood, Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I, I love that. And, and, and everything about it. What a cast. The yeah. physical effects and the miniatures are amazing. And um, just the pace of it and yeah. uh, oh. the score, John Williams' score. Yeah. It, is, mm. it is an underrated film. No, it's very underrated. That's that's good. Oh, yeah, it's I'll I just check think, and um, see if I can find it. I mean, it's, when, it's, what, oh yeah, easily. It's on it's on Blu-ray and, and uh, uh, streaming. Uh, yeah, it's out there somewhere. Digital. Yeah, it's it's everywhere. Oh, um, okay. But I mean, when you uh, when you have a cast, so John John Belushi, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, Ned Beatty, Christopher oh, wow. uh, Christopher Christopher Wall- Lee. Christopher Lee which, yeah. which here, this is oh. this is the other fun one. Christopher Lee plays a Nazi officer <laughs> and, is, and is speaking German the whole time. Yeah, he spoke fluent German in real life and and a bunch of other languages. The guy was brilliant, and, and he's on a Japanese sub. And everyone on the really? Japanese, uh, I can't remember who the Toshiro Mifune. Yeah, yes. who, who's speaking Just Japanese the yeah. whole time, huh. and the two are talking to each other in their own language. You know, Chris, Chris in German, um, T in Japanese, and they're talking to each other, carrying on conversation like they totally understand what they're talking about. And then who gets thrown into the mix with these two actors? Slim Pickens. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! I want to. I mean, there's a number of films we've talked about already tonight that I want to put up right after we get off the call. But I think 1941 has to go up. So <laughs> I'm um, glad you mentioned it. I love 1941. That, and, and the sad part is the one movie that neither one of us mentioned, and I know we're both fans of because we talk about. I thought I talked about it was actually one of my favorite parts in Rise of Skywalker was the Goonies moment. Oh, what you the, can get me going on the Goonies. I could, yeah. I just, I just saw that you, you got that the, uh, the oh yeah, the, the, car, key. the, the key art, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, oh, uh, cool. I'm looking at it right now. I haven't hung it yet today, but uh, it's a beauty. And um, yeah, uh, that that uh, film, the Goonies, out of out of um, Amblin Films and Steven Films, the Goonies and Poltergeist are huge films for me, especially because my little sister and I, um, who I, I I probably was closest to out of all my siblings. Um, um, we used to watch both of those like crazy poltergeist. I used as a, a, a device of torture to her because scared the hell out of her. So I put it up all the time and she'd wind up watching it cause it's great, but I used to like to torment her with it. And Goonies, we were a couple of Goonies ourselves as kids. So, um, uh, oh, yeah. there, there was a period where I went through where maybe it was cause I, my kids, my own kids were young and, <laughs> and you need some peace and quiet as an adult and the Goonies, I felt, Oh God, it's so loud. Everybody's talking at once. And then um, it's just come back in my life in a huge way. And um, it just it takes me back to a really good time. And I think I love the loudness because those kids are real kids on the screen, you know, and they felt like people you could be friends with when you were watching in our generation. And, um, you know, who who didn't want adventures like that? It it led me and uh, one of my best friends from Boy Scouts. We um, this is a stupid side story, but we, we saw some shining objects down in the sewers in his neighborhood. And so we went on a big Goonie type adventure thinking somebody, you know, people were dropping coins 
machines down there. So we went through the sewer system on hands and feet because you couldn't stand up. And um, with lights and everything, we finally finally got to the um, juncture under the street where we saw the shining objects. And we found them. And they were all, um, I guess they're called electrical slugs from yeah. electrical yeah, yeah. doing work. <laughs> so that was, that was how my Goonie adventure wound up. We thought we found the, you know, the rich stuff and it was a bunch <laughs> of damned uh, refuse from electric electricians work but um yeah who didn't want adventures like that as a kid yeah oh yeah yeah well like i said i for me it was one of those to have that goonies moment in um uh rise of skywalker now here's the coin to to show where everything you know oh yeah i know what you're saying and then all of a sudden you know they get to the death star and here's the sith blade pops out and it shows where where to go for the next like okay cool and i saw people complain about all that um i liked that it was was a great it was a great nod yeah, not just that, but also like the, the oddity of going into the quicksand and then the worm below. Um, there, I don't know. It felt more that felt like very Lucas to me, all those elements. Yeah. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like it. I, I like that feel of, you know, adventure A leads to B leads. To, you know, that's what serial filmmaking is all about. And that's the heart of Star Wars and, and Indiana Jones movies, I think. Now, what one of my favorite characters in 1941 is played. um by Warren Oates, Colonel Madman, <laughs> Colonel Madman Maddox. Yeah, yeah. Let me hear With the, the guns. My glasses. <laughs> yeah. Let me hear your guns. My what? Your guns. <laughs> 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 so that film is just, you're, you're, just I, I, have you ever looked at the movie trailer one one of the trailers for it, the teaser trailer and it lists the cast out like their names flying at the screen and yeah. it's just name after name after name that's a that's a cast yeah i'm sitting i'm sitting here looking at imdb on it now robert stacks in it treat williams yeah. in it uh nancy yeah i was allen. just looking at the cast i was like wow yeah nancy allen nancy allen patty lapone uh, uh, Penny Marshall has a bit part in it, and then yeah. of course we can't forget Raul, Raul Lipschitz. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Joe Flattery, and then um, uh, Wendy Jo Sperber is hilarious in it, and she and Flattery both um, kind of became a part of. Well, she especially became a part of the two Bobs, Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale, yeah. their um, stock company, so to speak. Uh, and that's I- another thing I love about that movie that the two Bobs wrote it, and if you take that. And the incredible, underrated, very underrated, I Want to Hold Your Hand, which Stephen, that was his first film as producer, executive producer. And then uh, Used Cars, both of those um, surrounded 1941. It was, um, it was I Want to Hold Your Hand, 1941, and, you, and then Used Cars for the order that they came out, their writing. I just absolutely love their their work together, the two Bobs. The, see, um, the writing is just impeccable in all of those. And, of course, Back to the Future. See, I, I loved how he brought in the double twins in this yeah. uh you had Aud- audrey landers john landis made a cameo yeah, in it messenger. Uh-huh. yeah uh mickey rourke was in it which i did not remember that's because he looked so different back then yes he did <laughs> yeah poor guy um james con <laughs> is in this he's one of the sailors in the fight scene that and you also have um oh my god my mind just totally went blank steel hamlet uh big red one um sam fuller has a big yeah 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 um but you know the uh the older brother 
from Wonder Years is in it as well. Uh, Jason, no, oh, wow. is that right? Jason Hervey is that? Uh, I don't, I don't think that's in in it. Um, that would be he would have been too young at that time. But I think he. I don't know. Now that you say it. Oh shoot! Now I'm gonna have to look him up. Yeah, it's it's he he sure looks similar, but I don't think it's him. But I could be wrong, which I hate to be wrong about any of these things because I should know it all. <laughs> My work. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I could get it to pop up on IMDb, this is not taking me to it. Oh, I'm having trouble getting it up, Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing. 19, 1941 <laughs> has some. Um, it has some great. Um, cheap uh smutty humor too and um actually yeah, that that takes me to a topic in general um people say because of 1941 oh spielberg can't do comedy oh, what, no. what's, what spielberg are they talking about even schindler's list has moments in it that yeah. i've seen it in theaters numerous times the whole theater busted up so he's brilliant with comedy and he always yeah has i don't get that yeah well See, you might you might kind of get it if you're not a fan of 19 41 but overall to say that it's just such a a, a a blinkered critical assessment because one film that happens to be uh by genre a comedy they don't like they then they say oh he can't do comedy when you it, look at his body of work it, it's a kid that's right it's a kid that looks similar well he looks very similar to him so i can see what you were saying there it's not steven mond um and, and I, I love how you There's brought up just comedy and, and everything he does yeah yeah i i love I love uh, being Jewish myself. Schindler's List was very, very emotional film for me. Uh, at the very, kind of starting to get teared up now. Uh, at the end of the film, um, I found myself sitting in my chair. Uh, my my wife was at the time my girlfriend. Um, she was comforting me as I'm sitting there yeah. saying Kaddish yeah. at the tail. I'm like, wow. And it just seemed, seemed like the thing to do. And here I am in, in northern Louisiana. And I'm like, all these people are walking out. I'm like, 90% of these people do not understand the whole meaning behind this film. But hopefully it gave them a window into I the hope. people that they don't understand normally. And, uh, you know, that uh, films like, like Schindler's List, I think, are so unifying because they show the experience yeah. of others to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this, this, speaking of favorite films, since I only did the one, but I could go on and on, of course, um, Munich. <laughs> it, uh, what do you think of Munich? It's, um, I'll say oh, it front, it's one of my absolute favorite films he's ever done. I think it is such, I, I hate to use this word because it's so overused, um, but I think it is such an act of bravery as a filmmaker. Um, and and specifically the position he took because yeah. um, he took so much heat for that and he, it was absolutely undeserved. He, as an artist, um, I think he, as an artist, he should and has has a right to to um, take the very opposite position. It doesn't mean that that's his personal feelings. He didn't betray that we know of any personal feelings in that film. No, no. He, he, he went at it as a, as a reporter, almost as a documentarian, and he, he it wasn't a film to give answers because come on who has the answer to the problems in, in the Middle East I you know uh, but it was a film to ask questions and that is absolutely Jewish tradition so yeah. I think it is yeah I think that is the most misunderstood misrepresented and um, and I don't want to say underrated in this case I just think that's a film that the world didn't give its fair due partially because there were people who came out before the film even showed a frame and they were lambasting it for political reasons 
reasons. And then partially because, um, yeah, it was terrible. And then also I think people who don't look at the, um, the history and the, the, of the region and the politics, you can look at that film as a really freaking great, uh, 1970s style thriller. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing in that way. But I think it's such a rich film for everything that it is, but above all, to get back to, I think my, my key point is it's a film that asks questions and it doesn't yeah. provide answers. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it brilliant. The, the, the kid, I guess he delivers the line, but I could have sworn Har- uh, Harvey was in the film. As one of the sons, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Christian Brackett Zika, who just passed yeah, away a couple years ago. Top of my head, I oh no, you're kidding me. Yeah, when did he passed from. Uh, I don't. He had to be around our our ages. He was forty eight. He was forty eight. Oh god. Um. I'm I'm just thinking the scene where Ned Beatty fires the (laughs) cannon through the house. I could have sworn, and and it's Christian that delivers the line, but I could have sworn it was uh, Harvey that was in it. Is it where they fall through the ceiling and he hits a plume of dust off of himself? And I can't remember the line if he just says, wow, or if he says, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do that again. (laughs) I love those kids. And then not to spoil anything um, for Derek, but um, the gas mask at dinner at the dinner uh, table i don't know why that's just hilarious <laughs> the, the whole the whole boardwalk scene with um, <laughs> eddie and, and eddie um, and yeah oh my god um see this is what this is one thing i fear doing shows live because i know all these people back and forth except for this young boy i don't remember his name but the older you get you guys lose names and <laughs> information oh, yeah. that used to be yeah. right there um yeah i mean i could tell you stories about the mayor from Jaws. Well, say Murray Hamilton. So I feel bad mis- not remembering yeah. his name. Murray Hamilton and Eddie Deason is, is what we're talking about on the, yeah. on the um, boardwalk scene. And God, that, that oh, miniature oh. of the Ferris wheel. We we oh. do that so many times when when we were doing the podcast. We're like, uh, what was his name? What, what? <laughs> but, but you know, that, that's what I love about our show is you know we we treat it like the two of us having that conversation. Just people are eavesdropping on our conversation uh it's like we're, we're talking after a day at the convention and just going do you see this do you see this so i, well, mean, I hope well, they can understand why our, our aged minds uh, not uh, all the data is immediately available yeah <laughs> mm. but derek you, you gotta watch 1941 i would even say you and chris watch it and make it a uh, a review on keepers of the fringe so you're the one who's been keeping the fringe. Thank you for all the work you do <laughs> at the fringe, keeping it up. It's, it's, it's not it's easy, believe me. <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> it's very hard. It's a like constant battle. Speaking of JJ, there's a, there's a show, the Frin- uh, Fringe. Did you guys watch that show when it was on or after the fact? Oh, I used to love that show. I, yes. great, I never great watched series. it. I never oh, got man. into oh. it. Leonard, Leonard Nimoy is key in it. If you're a I, Star Trek fan, you got oh, it. Yeah. I'm going ha- I'm yeah. I'm to have to go. Go get it. Go watch it. And it's got um, oh. it's got a uh, jeez. There goes my Lord of the Rings fandom. Is I'm about to embarrass myself. Uh, why can't I think of <laughs> you know Walter in Infringe? Um, what is he? Oh, Lord oh. of the Rings. He's the uh, the steward of Gondor, and I can't think of the character's name, and I can't think of the actor's name now. But he winds up you know chucking John, himself off. Uh, the, is it John? Yeah, John Noble? John Noble. That's it. Yeah, John Noble. Especially after you see this horrible monster he is oh. as a steward. It's 
it's what a what a three sixty or one eighty. Um, oh, he he was the character so Walter good is. in that. Yeah, that yeah. show. Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of yeah, Abrams again, to, to take it back to Amblin, um, what do you guys think of uh, Super Eight that JJ did for Amblin and Stephen produced? Loved it. Oh, it, it was not what I was expecting, but after watching it, I'm like, yeah, this is this is cool. It's that. That modern day uh, horror meets uh, kaiju type film. Yeah, yeah. And it, Which, it felt. I haven't seen it yet, believe it oh. or not. Well, everything that you see nowadays, um, like Stranger Things and things of that ilk, first off, they rip Amblin. I, I don't mean to sound sour grapes because they, they are quality shows unto themselves, but they rip Amblin off blind, Amblin Entertainment, and they rip Super oh, 8 sure, off blind. Yeah. Super 8 came out, um, I want to say it was 2008, but I could be off on the year. So that was ahead of the game in being a film that did the Amblin house style, so to speak, of yeah. you know the 1980s. And then after that, and the film did okay. It, it didn't set the world on fire, unfortunately. And then after that, um, just all these these films come out, and you know, in in the press, you always hear it's in the Amblin Entertainment tradition of the 1980s. It's like, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now, speaking of like J.J. Abrams kind of tackling um, Amblin, you know, Spielberg style with it. Uh, of course, that was in 2011. 2011. Okay. That was early. What What do you feel about uh, AI, which we know uh, was Kubrick's final script? Yeah. Uh, well, not even a script. Um, Kubrick was developing it and he had years and years of work, but he never scripted it. Um, Stephen took all of the work that Kubrick did with... Um, yep. He, I guess he did have screenwriters do passes on it, but none of it wound up as uh, Kubrick didn't write it. And then um, Stephen took all the, the prior work and he wrote his own script from it, which um, people say it was his first film that he or script that he'd written since Poltergeist. But he actually wrote this is minutia for people who care. He he actually wrote a an amazing stories episode. Um, the first series, yep. the first first season uh, uh, of the original stories. series, uh, the majority of the those were um, Stephen's stories, but written by other screenwriters. But he, he right. conceived a story and wrote the screenplay for the episode Vanessa in the Garden, which Clint Eastwood directed. Yeah. It's with Harvey Keitel in it. So between Poltergeist, Stephen did do Vanessa in the Garden and then AI, Artificial Intelligence. And I think AI is a film, again, that has not gotten its due. And I think it will, like like Munich. I, um, I just found it very interesting watching watching the film going, Really? This is Spielberg? Because it, it still f- felt very Kubrick-esque. Yeah, yeah. I think it's him him paying yeah, great yeah. homage I, I, to his friend. It, it was like, okay, I this was your project. I'm going to see it through for you, and I'm going to do it as close to you as possible. Yeah, yeah. I and, mean, and even visually, there's specific shots that are like total Kubrick. And it goes to show Stephen understands yeah. Kubrick's work probably better than most. And, and the, also the fact that they were, they were good friends and they talked about AI um, yeah. a lot because Kubrick wanted, at one point he wanted Stephen to direct it and that's what led to Kubrick's widow and um, brother-in-law um, at, coming back to Stephen and asking him to do it because he was already working on Minority Report at that time. Right. And that was going to be his next picture after um, Private Ryan. And well, then AI came in out of the blue or back into his life and he, he jumped on it. Which a lot of people don't realize 
the story that Minority Report is based on is actually a sequel to Total Recall. Not as far as Dick short story, though, is it? Um, it's as far as the films, it was developed by um, people who were on the Total Recall film. But as far as the short stories, I don't know. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're both independent as far as Dick's writing and the Minority Report short story. It's from like 56 or something like that. That's a really good story. I mean, it just it's a good um, read. It's very, very different. The tech is so um not as obviously not as advanced as we see in the film. It's like kind of punch card technology, even if I'm remembering right. But it, for a mid fifty story, it's it's great sci-fi. It was optioned as a sequel to Total Recall originally. Yeah, yeah, by by the filmmakers, but not written as that is what I was saying. Right, um, but one of the but uh, Schwarzenegger's character was supposedly in Minority Report because because oh. that's what was being led to optioning. It off as a a um, a sequel, and then Schwarzenegger went and became governor and couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, I don't know. It would have been fun a sequel. It would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there are vestiges. In fact, I'm positive, but off the top of my head, I can't remember. If you look at the producer credits, it's got a lot of producers, and I think there are vestiges from the people who did option it yeah. um, to from the Total Recall team. Mm. You know, Total Recall at one time was um, going to be a David Cronenberg film, which is that just like imagine oh. the difference between that and the Verhoeven. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all those what could have been films, and I like the Verhoeven. Yeah. Stuff. But yeah. he's he's obviously a different, um, a much different filmmaker than Cronenberg. Yeah, I would think Cronenberg, if he had gone that route, he would have been a perfect filmmaker to to adapt some some Dick stories. But um, yeah. that yeah. sounded that sounded weird on its own. Dick <laughs> stories. <laughs> Tales of Dick, <laughs> but I shouldn't. I shouldn't because um, you know a penis joke is a cheap joke, but you got to take them. But also respect it to Philip K. Dick. He was he was a pretty pretty yeah. amazingly imaginative guy with an unfortunate last name. Well, <laughs> true. No. Pre- you know, huh? Well, well, prepping, it happens. Well, prepping for the <laughs> well, prepping for the show, I was thinking about you know since you are a writer, I was thinking about starting off with a, a joke about a, a broken pencil, but here it'd be pointless. <laughs> I actually laughed at that because um, I uh, I went through an era of uh, what I'm told telling dad jokes, so I, I can I like all kinds of humor. <laughs> well, one of the groups I'm working with at Epcot right now is a group called the Jamminers, and they do dad jokes or or the pun you know pun jokes based oh, on yeah. different things. <laughs> like um, right oh, now, that sounds painful. Right? Oh, it's so much fun! Like right now. Um, we're doing uh, Festival of the Arts. So one of the jokes is, why why did the artist have to go get a second job? Because he was Baroque and needed the Monet. Oh. <laughs> so, I think the Baroque, so the Baroque joke was used in Disney's... Uh, Beauty and the Beast, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. But I've never heard the Monet one. That's good. Yeah, it's so surreal, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and, then, and then the other one is, um, the, I got word back from the critics about my sculpture made out of meat. Their their comments were, rare medium, well done. 
<laughs> that reminds me, there's this bit in Duel that is totally off the wall like that. Early in the film, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the movie. There's a good book out there on it, though. And um, David Mann's listening to the radio because he's driving alone. And there's this bit about some musician who plays meat. And it's, it's like something that you come in on um, without context. And I don't know why, but that cracks me up because it's just yeah. so surreal. <laughs> yeah. And I like I like in movies where you hear the the punchline of a joke, but you don't know the setup and it's just they let it go. <laughs> that's that's just funny. Yeah. So I'm going to say I'm looking at the time and, we're, and this has been great fun. Um, yeah, good to hear. I can't I, believe the time, actually. It's like 10, 10 minutes. It feels like talking to you guys. So I I'm going to bring up. <laughs> that has been great. So I, I'm going to bring up this question. Okay. What what is the one? I, I guess as a final thought, what's one thing that has been announced that we haven't talked about that you would love to talk about? Mm, yeah, I, I would like to plug for the company. Um, there is it's not only been announced, but um, as of this Wednesday, it's had three episodes aired so far and i know I heard, where you're going yeah i i am i'm a fanatic about this i was going to write about it again on my um facebook because i've been uh i've been looking at screeners and i've got the rest of the se- season to watch and uh, oh, uh jealous. I think, um yeah i think um amblin television our division for television i think um the, the show that's currently on sci-fi resident alien i think it is one of the best oh. productions oh did i surprise yes. you you thought i was talking something else yeah i think resident no alien i wasn't sure what, I wasn't sure what you were talking about. Okay, yet. okay. I think but, Resident yeah. Alien is one of the best things we have done in yeah. a long time. It's in absolutely and, amazing and on television. Yeah, and it's it's it has um, classic Amblin feel for people who like that. But it's also really there's some verbal humor that I'm like I I haven't had cable in decades, but I'm like sci-fi. You can say that kind of thing. <laughs> um, there's, some, <laughs> there's there's some really um, it's I I like the series so much because. It is silly. It is um, arch in its humor. Um, it is uh, it's heartfelt, and it's also it can be downright vulgar too. Occasionally, uh, it's it's about this alien that comes to Earth on a mission to. Well, they haven't announced the mission yet, so I got to watch that. But. Um, mm. He's on a mission and he crash lands and he takes on the uh, physical appearance of an unfortunate, <clears throat> excuse me, an unfortunate person that he happened upon uh, who is a town doctor or he's a doctor. And he's when the alien takes on his form, the alien is um, brought in to um, serve as this small town in Colorado's doctor. And obviously the alien doesn't understand humanity and doesn't understand how to be this human that he's taken on his life by his taking on his appearance. And so obviously wacky hijinks ensue and it's, it's, um, it's just crazy. It's such good fun. And, um, it's got a set of characters that are really great, a great cast led by Alan Tudyk, who, you know, any science fiction fan knows, um, from uh, Firefly and Serenity and, and um, Rogue One, uh, he he is a and, and all of his films, not just sci-fi, but that man is a dodgeball a treasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dodgeball. Um, even um, Wreck It Ralph, he plays um, yeah the King Candy or the yep. Candy King or something, and he does this great throwback voice to. Um, <laughs> Uh, Ed Wynn, like an Ed yeah. Wynn kind of voice. And I thought, this guy knows his animation history. Uh, he's, he is such a talent. And uh, I, I hope more people will see it. I don't know if sci-fi is a, you know, one of the major channels, but it's, I think it's, I think it's on most basic cable. So I cannot urge people who are fans of Amblin Entertainment 
entertainment and comedy and aliens and all that fun stuff. I can't urge you guys enough to take a peek at that. Um, watch the pilot. And I'm saying to all your listeners, watch the pilot. And if you're not hooked, I'll be surprised. Uh, it's absolutely I amazing. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I love the show. Yeah. Make you laugh out loud. Oh, yeah. 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 It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. I, I can't watch it in the evening when everyone's gone to bed or I'll wake people oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I live alone now, but I, I, that makes me belly laugh. It's so good. I, I usually, I usually watch it on my days off or I, I'm off Sunday, Monday. So I usually watch it on Monday. That way. The only one person I bother is the dog. Oh, <laughs> Speaking oh, of Alan Tudyk, I just started watching that. The uh, I finally started watching the Harley Quinn cartoon that's on HBO Max. Yeah, and, and he does the Joker, and I was oh. just oh, I was blown away by his Joker. How's it? How's it compared to Mark Hamill, which of course is you know the benchmark for animation uh, Joker? Ah. Uh... Well, I mean, he can't beat Mark Hamill's Joker, yeah. of course. But I would say he would probably be my second favorite after Mark Hamill of all of any Joker animated voice I've ever heard. Cool. I'm gonna have to give that give that a watch. See, yeah, yeah. Hey. That's a that's a good one. If he didn't do um, Joker, I could see Alan Tudyk tackling uh, the role of Riddler. Oh God, yeah, because he he's got the per- he's got the perfect mentality for for Riddler. Yeah, yeah. Um, who does do the Riddler? I forget. Currently, oh, in the Harley Quinn show. Oh, uh, Batman in the in the upcoming the Batman. It's Paul Dano doing the, the Riddler, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah that should be that should be interesting. He's uh, no Frank Fortune. <laughs> Oh, yeah. and he, I, I've met and, Frank uh, Alan Tudyk also does Clayface too. Oh, in the cool. same cartoon. Jim Rash does the Riddler. Oh yes, that's right. Wow. Oh, I love Jim Rash. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look at this. I I got to be honest. When you first said Harley Quinn, I was like, hey, because one of the it might have been it was the second to last film I went to see before the world changed. This mm, the last oh, one yeah. I went to right. see Nos, Nosferatu, uh, the the original play. That was a nice last. Oh one. wow! But before that though, it was the the Harley Quinn and whatever the huge massive title is and that was a letdown um and i still haven't watched it yet because of that yeah i even i gotta say i even i even bought the uhd just because i'm a completist (laughs) 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 my my friend chris is just like that yeah Uh, you can say you know occasionally you want to have like a fest of uh, of a series of movies and uh the dc movies have been all over the board but yeah yeah Yeah. i i I still like they're they're entertaining and and harley quinn has some elements that work but um it was it was perplexing in a lot of ways <laughs> like yeah. what were they thinking mm. but uh, margot uh, robbie is such a she's such a, a presence and um charming in everything so i liked her in it and yeah. i like all the i like all the um supporting cast too but i don't know i don't know what it was i didn't <laughs> maybe the writing i don't know yeah well you're not the first person i've heard say you know say it wasn't great so that's yeah, why i haven't yeah. watched it yet <laughs> Yeah, I need to look at it again to be fair. Oh, I know I didn't like um, McGregor's character, which, you know, he's he's a really excellent actor most of the time. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. I don't know. I See, I need to look I at heard, it again. Uh, he was a black, black mask. mask. Yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't know. He just, 
it just didn't work. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to. It's terrible to to say I don't like a film and not be able to describe why. But just something about his character is like. Ugh. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, sometimes it, was, it just doesn't work. It was. Yeah, my, it was a bit too too grotesque in certain parts too. Like I know I haven't read I haven't read the Batman comics since the nineties. I think I stopped reading them religiously. I used to collect all the titles, but it, I see it's gotten kind of. Um, and I like I said earlier, I'm a huge horror movie fan, but it's gotten really gruesome looking. Some of the stuff I see coming out of Batman, like Silence of the Lambs, kind of gruesome. <laughs> and um, there was some <laughs> there was some bits in it that I thought, oh boy, that's that's pretty rough. And uh, really? I don't I don't remember if the movie was PG-13 or R, but there were a couple sadistic moments in it that I, it just felt felt kind wow. of confused to me. <laughs> huh. Okay, yeah, but interesting. Yeah. <sighs> So, um, but the I'm, the cartoon is is really good. Yeah, cool. I'll check it out. But it, it's definitely R rated. Yeah. Oh, the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, well, I'll check it out. It, it, it it's where it should be for Harley Quinn. Mm. Yeah, I guess when you look at that character, um, and she really has been R rated as far as no, 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 no. Uh, was the um, yeah, Suicide Squad was that R rated? Yeah. No, I don't remember. No, I think Joker was the big one. That I think maybe both of the Harley yeah. Quinns were PG thirteen. But what is PG thirteen mean anymore? Because there's so much yeah, really. material. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's all you know. It's just, it's a thin line. Uh, yeah. Birds of Prey was rated R. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Well, that makes sense. And this the sadism that I mentioned in it without giving any of it away you can enjoy it on your own um yeah i was surprised by it but maybe i didn't know the rating going in not that that should matter because ratings are you know whatever and suicide squad right, yeah was suicide squad r uh that's when i'm double checking like the theatrically the the new one that um james gunn's doing it's supposedly a an extremely hard r as they say that actually looks like it might be pretty good i have to say or at least yeah. pretty interesting it'll be uh it looks chaotic, which is he's that's he's good with chaos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I cannot find the rating for it. I believe it was a hard R. I, I believe it was R as well. That would make sense, uh, especially because some of the Joker stuff was pretty uh, freaky deaky. Yeah, it was so horrible. I, guess, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I did not like Jared Leto's joker no. yeah but it's interesting seeing the stills that came out this week for um zach snyder's uh justice league uh, yeah you're not interested in that you mike you look like I, a- i'm interested in seeing it but it's like i i don't feel it's a true director's cut not if he was given what 15 20 million to yeah add four minutes of film i don't know that's not I'm, a director's I'm- cut yeah, but it's also going to be like a four-hour-plus film. I'm going to be really interested yep. to see what he does with it. And I think I'm, – I'm interested to – I'm interested in as far as like just to see it and get it over with. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> just – Popular film as a You know, there's been – yeah, there's been so much talk about it. And I'm just like, all right, let's just get it out there. Let's just get it – let's just get, get it over with. I hope it does well for the guy because what he suffered personally during the production of Justice League. I think, true, true. I think it's great that Warner Brothers is um, standing by him and, and letting him get back to work because um, that I, I can't even fathom that, what, what it, the loss his family had. And um, yeah. I know the guy takes a beating in the press, but I don't I don't know him. He might be a nice guy for all I know. Yeah. I don't understand why critics right, get right, yeah. with filmmakers. Um, I know his films can be macho, but so it doesn't mean he's necessary. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I so I hope it does well. I hope it I hope it's interesting. Suicide Squad was PG-13. 
Wow. Yeah, and uh, it looks like the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn one, doesn't have a rating yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think Gunn said that it's going to be a, a very a um, yeah, yeah. I think he's yeah violent and rude as all get out, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I it's insane. I, as you said, I think Zack Snyder may be a cool guy. I I loved what he did with Sin City. I loved what he did with Three Hundred. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Frank Miller was right there to stay on top of him. Oh, well, he didn't do, um, he didn't do Sin City. That was Robert Rodriguez. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He did 300 and then he did Watchmen, which I think Watchmen is a really good film. And then yeah. to see what they did with television after it, I think Watchmen's been, been done right. I know, um, uh, Grant might not be a fan, but he doesn't even look at movies anyway. Alan, oh, wait, not Grant. What's his name? Um, Alan Moore, Alan Moore. Sorry about that. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> but, um, I, I like the feature and, and um, I haven't finished the television series yet, but what I've seen so far is oh, the incredible. Television oh, series. Yeah. Oh, it's so amazing. Yeah, what a, amazing. What a great, great variation on, on you know, a really, uh, really great graphic novel. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. And I like Man of Steel. I think that was underrated. I personally, I, you know, I grew up with Chris. Well, like, like both of you, I grew up with Chris Reeves, Superman, which is my yep. preferred. And I love great. Dick Donner's a great guy, too. And um, so um, I like that more for DC. But, um, you know, it's doing variants on things can be interesting, making them darker and more realistic and all that. Yeah, in some cases. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I loved a Sucker Punch. I, I thought you did a great job with Sucker Punch. I've never looked at that yet. I've owned it for Me either. however I long have. it's been since it came out, and I just have never looked at it. I need to. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I haven't watched it either. <laughs> we've seen so. a lot of films this episode. We've been saying, oh, I never saw it, never saw it. But you can't see it. I've never seen that one. <laughs> no, yeah. It seems like I watch a, le- a lot. I have less time to watch movies now than I used to. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? In my case, I've got so much work I want to do between work for Amblin. And then also I've been for a long time developing a number of features and um, in particular animated television series that I hope to be able to, to get off the ground now that I'm living out here in, in Hollywood. Um, and I'm pushing 50. So I've got that fear of, oh, my God, I've got more work than I'm likely to have life left. So um, I, I don't I don't. I don't watch as many movies as I would love to and as I always used to. And when I do, I tend to yeah. go back and watch, like, my friends tease me. You're watching that stupid monster movie again? Yeah, because it's a comfort. <laughs> right, exactly. I know I love this movie, so I'm going to watch it. Hey, it's sort of like me and Howard the Duck. <laughs> Oh my God, Howard the Duck! I know we were going to cut the episode, but the, the go motion in Howard the Duck is some of the best animation. The puppets are incredible. I love Howard the Duck as a film. Man, it's it's insane. But damn it, that animation and that the tilt um, animation is so incredible. I, I actually own that domestic release, and I imported the British release on Blu-ray because I could just wow. watch the animation in that alone. So amazing. <laughs> okay, see, now you're telling me there's a British Blu-ray release that I'm now going to have to find. Which, to be honest, it wasn't 
hugely different from the domestic. It has some different features, but I just, oh God, I, I have a soft spot for that insane film. And, um, so and, do I. So yeah. Do I. And, and just, um, I'm a, I'm a huge animation fan, especially stop motion animation. And that just, as you heard in my voice there, that just, the mention of it just makes me explode. It's so, such <laughs> great work. Now the, the, uh, U.S. Blu-ray edition, is it the anniversary edition? I, because there what, is an anniversary there is an anniversary edition that has come out. I think it's the, I didn't realize there were two. I, it's got, it's got a decent amount of special features on it. If I'm remembering right, I'd have to run into the other room to check, but um, I guess it's an anniversary edition. Um, let's see. That came out in the 86. I don't remember yeah. if the disc is that old. It could be time blends into one, the older you get. And then especially when you live during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, to 2019, my daughter on father's day said, dad, I want to watch a film that you absolutely love. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's that? She goes, I want to watch Howard the Duck. I'm like, was oh, her really? Time? Her first time. I'm like, oh, really? We watched it. I'm like, so, uh, honey, what'd you think? <laughs> Daddy. Oh. <laughs> George Lucas had better success with Star Wars than he did with Howard the Duck. Oh, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. I said, would you? Yeah. I said, then I asked her, would you ever watch it again? She goes, not in my lifetime. (laughs) You know what? You're raising a smart, smart young lady there. Um, and yet, again, it has charms. The cast, I mean, uh, Tim Robbins and Jeffrey Jones are hilarious in it. Um, Holly Robinson Pete. Yeah, and Leah Thompson, who doesn't love her. Um, I, Duck I, himself, oh, the I costume, like the costume's good, but it's not appealing. And the Duck's attitude, it's its not what's in the book, and it's yeah. not, yeah, yeah, it's okay. And the story's not great, and... And the, the songs. <laughs> there's, some, there's some odd uh, sexual humor in it, too, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That reminds me, though. Um, excuse me. If you ever have me back and you want to talk Indiana Jones, I was hoping oh, to bring we'll up. We'll definitely Temple. have you back. Okay. I was hoping we'd talk on Temple of Doom. Get me going on Temple of Doom and it's off to the races. I love oh. that movie. I am crazy for Temple of Doom. And if I could convince my boss to see the brilliant, beautiful, insane exciting work that he created with that that would be a life's <laughs> mission because he 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 says it's good because he met his wife on it which is a beautiful thing but he that he cannot see the glory of temple of doom what he oh. wrought that breaks my heart <laughs> that, that's dr jones lady yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you guys fans or would it be, oh. would it be a yeah oh, oh yeah I like, I like temple of doom it, it's it's we, i mean obviously we, it's we not my favorite indie film, but it's good. I like. We, it. we may have to do a night where all we do is just break down the Indiana Jones franchise. I would love oh, that. that sounds, I would totally that, love that. That sounds like fun. Maybe maybe we do that next month. I'd, I'd want to watch all four films again, and I say all four films because it makes me crazy when people say the trilogy. First off, it's not a trilogy. It was never a trilogy. It's a series, even yeah. with three films. And there are four films, whether people like the fourth one or not. I have problems with parts of the fourth film, but I think there's so much good work in the fourth film that people, I don't know. I don't know what it is. That I, can, I can understand what they don't like about it, but I think they're missing out. Well, I can tell you what I don't like about it when we when we talk about it next time. Cool, that's <laughs> 
something to look forward to. So going back to how and Howard the Duck real there's going to be a fifth one coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I have thoughts on. Uh, Howard the Duck was released on VHS and Laserdisc in 1987. I want to get Laserdisc. both. I want to get both of those copies just to have them. Yeah, I never, I never even saw that. I used to collect Laserdisc religiously. I still have a good stack of my Spielberg Laserdisc, and I still have a, a Pioneer player sitting right here in the room. But I oh, never cool. saw Howard. I never saw Howard the Duck on Laserdisc. And if they had it um, CAV, I think it was where you could step frame step. I would have done that in a heart, got that in a heartbeat, so I could uh, study the animation, the stop, the stop slash go motion animation because uh, yeah. that's such it's amazing work. Uh, release. <laughs> if I haven't mentioned release on DVD uh, in 2003, then released on a special edition DVD in 2009, which I may have that one. And then did they say when the Blu-ray, and then how was it the same? The film was released on Blu-ray in 2016. Okay, was, that would be anniversary. And then it was also released on a collector's edition Blu-ray in 2019. Hmm. I wonder and if the one I have is... No, I'm looking oh, for the, you know what? I'm looking for the that collector's, collector's edition. Been, I think that's the British release then, because that was the latest one that I got. Okay. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm, um, looking, I'm looking for that collector's edition. I compared the two for the bonus features, though, just to see what what the one has that the other doesn't because um i i tend to forget because i put my films on my um server here and i i just combine bonus features from every like if i have multiple releases of a film i combine all the bonus features so i can just immerse myself in in everything that's been said about a film i know it was see it doesn't even pop up in amazon how dare they <laughs> yeah i don't remember if i had to get it from amazon uk or not um or no you know what i, I ordered it directly from the um the vendor and i think if off the top of my head it's 88 films like eight eight films so if you go to their website hopefully you could still find a copy in print otherwise you might have to hit ebay or something like that okay 88 films also did a nice version of um the last starfighter although arrow just put that out for people who are into 80s films um arrow just put out a really great addition of that i love that movie yeah grab the arrow uh arrow release if you can okay. you, you won't you won't be disappointed awesome. uh well since we're talking about that i will turn you on to uh mill creek entertainment uh they put out a bunch of do they do a lot of godzilla titles um or am i thinking they have ultraman they have oh, ultraman now, they? they have yeah, ultraman yeah. i just got ultraman taro how is it oh i'm loving every minute of it i'm a Cool. I'm a huge Ultraman fan, and all I remember watching as a kid was um, Ultra Q and Ultraman, the black mm. and white, and then the color. Yeah. After that, I mean, that's all that they stopped that afterwards. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and then I was at a comic book shop, and I saw Ultraman. I'm like, what's all this other stuff? <laughs> I go, Those are Ultraman as well. I'm like, no, I need to get a hold of this. Yeah. I now have everything that's come out Ultraman through Ultraman Taro and Ultraman Leo's about to come out. I think wow. it comes out in April. Like, if you like, oh baby. <laughs> if you like uh, Kaiju, um, Arrow just put out uh, Gamera. Um, they put out a, a limited edition box set, which I kicked myself for not getting my hands on. But then they went and put out. Um, they split that box set into two, um, the two different eras so far of Gamera. And then also, of course, um, so that's Arrow. And then also, um, if you guys hadn't seen the uh, Godzilla release that Criterion did, it's flipping amazing. Although, good luck fitting it on any bookshelf. It's this really tall <laughs> book type thing. Um, so, yeah, my, my, my Caillou collection is all, all the packaging's wacky. 
Good stuff, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for joining us uh, this week. We, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get with you on maybe near the end of March. We get together okay. and do a retrospect. That way, it gives us all a chance to watch all of the Indiana Jones. And we just do a retrospect on Indiana Jones. Oh, I could. You, you say we'd need a night for that. My God, I could go. <laughs> Those films we uh, could talk about for uh, a long time. Well, yeah. <laughs> and and you know what? I'll. I'll I'll even, I'll even throw the challenge out there of if you want to bring a, anyone from any of the movies on with us. To, God, that would be a challenge considering. Um, let me think about that. To see wait, if I, I, that, that could be fun, too, to, to hear. Yeah. Because I would love to hear the story, have them hear us as fans talk about the films and, and hear how they were fans before the films, before they did whatever. If they weren't in Raiders, if they were a fan. Yeah. Yeah. I've never I've never professionally written on any of them yet, so I'm trying to think if I even have any contacts. But I'll think about it and see what I can do, because that would be fun for me, well, for all of us. But for me, I, I, I that's one of the best parts of my jobs, uh, our job, talking to the talent that work, has worked on all these films with Steven and, and with Amblin all these years. It's such a gift to hear I actually, all the stories. Actually, I may be able to get Fred on the show. Uh, Fred was uh, the gentleman who played Jock Lindsay. Oh, <laughs> that's just my pet snake, Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of the most well-known characters and he was only in the film for two minutes yeah and there's a great story about um, a mishap they had on location with him yeah so yeah yeah well and of course down here at, at uh well disney world at disney springs we have shock Lindsay's hangar bar ah. which is an indiana jones themed bar owned by yeah. disney after his character and he was i down, love he was down here two years ago for his 70th birthday Oh, that's that's fun. I yeah. love that story you told about your dad too, taking him to the stunt show. That 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 was really moving. So thank yeah. you for sharing oh, that. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, we actually took him to uh, the hangar bar as well, and that was one of his favorite places um, oh. before he passed. That when we came down, oh, I'm sorry, to Disney Springs, uh, that was some place we would we would always go. So that's great. Yeah, I uh, I have good memories. I don't have a lot of good memories, of my dad, but we we shared Raiders watching that together. That's that's a great memory. So hearing about you and your dad with it, that, that really moved me. That's that's great. Sorry that you lost him. It, it was very sudden, um, which oh God, God, that was very, very hard. I'm sorry, man. Um, and, and, and I tell people death of a parent's never easy, but I think it's easier when you know it's coming than when you just get blindsided. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was blindsided mm. uh, just in turn 15, two months before it. And um, one day your, your parents there and then, you know, yeah. a minute later they're gone. And it's uh, it sticks with you. Yeah. Um, it's tough. Yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, even as an adult, yeah. it's still tough. Oh yeah, yeah. So. No, no matter what age you are, and then you know, um, now being middle aged ourselves, um, if, if you guys both have a parent left, um, there's a whole different set of concerns. And then being yeah. uh, being uh, fathers yourself. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it's not the years; it's the mileage. <laughs> Actually, this it's is both true. the years and the mileage. I think I think uh, Lawrence Kasdan was yeah. too young at that point. It is the years and it is the mileage together. <laughs> well, hey, Derek, I'm going to say I believe this is officially going to be our longest episode. I am so sorry. Like I said, no, no, that's no. A, don't dude, apologize. That's, a, that's awesome. That's a great honor. <laughs> it was yeah, a great one. You, you are, yes. you are that, 
that's a trivia question now for our for our show. <laughs> who, who's who got a, the biggest mouth? Who they couldn't shut up? No, <laughs> well, we're hey, well, we're, I mean, we're, yeah, we're not stopping was, either. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a great episode. We've we've been having a ton of fun. So it's great to hear. I I enjoyed it too. I I get uh, like I said, I get really shy and I get worried and I get nervous. And then um, I had a great time. You guys you guys are wonderful to talk with. You, you it was a good Friday night. Oh, good. Hey, I I almost feel like this is our suicide. This is our Suicide Squad because I start to end the show and then we can just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to end the show uh, and then we keep going. Yeah, we 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 have. That, that has happened a lot. So, so with that, with that, I will say thank you both for having me tonight. It was, oh, it was it, wonderful to, to meet you both and to talk with you. It, it has been our you honor too. and our Definitely. pleasure. And uh, we will, I will get with you on how we end up doing the uh, the Indiana Jones franchise retrospect. Totally looking forward to that. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll go ahead and put that fun. out there now. We'll do that next month. Okay, sounds great. So, um, all right, gentlemen. Until next time, we're going to leave you asking. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. You know how Peter Parker doesn't always know how to tell Mary Jane how he really feels? Or how Tony Stark seems to have everything but not the deep emotional connection his complex soul craves? Well, you don't have to be a superhero or a wealthy industrialist to experience the kind of rich relationships and life we all long for. I'm Mark Wen, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T, coaching.com. We're the Con Guys, as in Comic-Con, and this is the Con Guys show coming at you straight from the heart of Hollywood, California, with the news, celebrity interviews, and fun-loving opinions to help fuel your passions. We are your ultimate insiders, filmmakers, writers, actors, costumers, gamers, panelists, but most of all, we are fans. And whether it's sci-fi, collectibles, comic books, gaming, animation, cosplay, or fan conventions, if you love it, we cover it. Your behind-the-scenes look at all things con. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This has been a Weeby Geeks production.